you would, turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 10. We'll be in verses 38 through 42 today. And uh, as I was studying this week, I was thinking, you, you know you go to a church that's committed to expositional preaching when on Father's Day you're talking about Mary and Martha. Let, we let God's Word set the agenda for God's church. And so God, by His kindness, has us in Luke chapter 10. But I will say that this is Mary and Martha, but it could just as easily be Matthew and Mark. Because I've learned as much from uh, this story as I have almost any other place in the scriptures. And so pray that the Lord teaches us what he taught these ladies. It says this, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask, Lord, for our hearts this morning, that by the power of your word, by the power of your spirit, Lord, that we might see what Martha was missing on that day, even in the busyness of ministry, in the busyness of her serving, Lord, that we would see what Martha was missing and what Mary had found. That, Lord, we in our own hearts today, whether we've been believers for many years or, Lord, whether we don't know Jesus, Lord, would you, by the power of your Spirit, show us that Jesus is the one thing. He's the one thing necessary. He is the good portion that will not be taken away from those who find everything in him. So, Lord, would you help us this morning? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one thing, that's exactly what everybody here wants this morning. Whether you realize it or not, everyone here wants to find the one thing. The one thing that's worthy of your attention, the one thing that's worthy of your affection, of all your heart, the one thing that redirects and refocuses and recenters all your life. Gary Keller, the founder of a real estate company, Keller Williams, wrote a book about this. This book's called The One Thing. The One Thing, the Surprising Simple Truth About Extraordinary Results. And this is what Gary Keller found. He said, I kept trying to minimize or prioritize my life down to three or four things. The, the three or four things that were the most important. And I figured if I could get a few priorities, then I could refocus my life. But then he realized if there's power 
in finding just a few priorities? What about if you could find the one thing? What if you could find the one thing, the, the one priority that changes every other thing? Well, let me ask you, what would be your one thing this morning? If you just had to summarize your life, if you had to crystallize what your life is about, what has your heart, what has your attention, what would be your one thing that shapes everything else, that takes up your time, that captivates your attention, that captures your affection? I mean, I think I've, I've thought about this more than ever this year. More than I ever have in my whole life. And the reason probably is because I turned 40 this year. 40. You might hear some groans or some creaks in my body as I move around the, a little bit. And I thought, more willing, Lord willing, what will the second half of my life, what's it going to look like? If the Lord was to give me another 40 years, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? What am I going to focus my attention on? What's going to have all my affection? What do I want to accomplish? And maybe you've asked those same questions too. Well, the good news is I think Jesus, through this home visit with Mary and Martha, he wants to help you find your one thing. The one thing that helps make sense of everything else. The one thing that helps everything else fall into place. The one thing that's above all other things. And and what he wants to give you this morning is himself. That's the one thing. It's the one thing that's above everything else that should captivate your attention. That should capture your affection. The one thing is Jesus. Now, to begin, Christian maturity is all about finding the one thing. Growing as a Christian is all about not just being good at a lot of things, not being busy doing a lot of things at church. It's about refocusing your life on the one thing. It's about devoting yourself to to the one thing, to Jesus above all other things, really being alive. Really living is finding one thing, Jesus Christ. It's more important than all other things. Because don't miss it, Martha is doing a really good thing. She's doing a really good thing for Jesus. Look at verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. It was good, and it was right for Martha to want to be a good host, for for Jesus to feel welcome, for Jesus to feel loved and cared for and served. In fact, if you would go back to Luke chapter 7, you'll remember back in Luke chapter 7 when the sinful woman comes and comes to the feet of Jesus, Simon is actually rebuked for being a bad host. Simon's rebuked for not caring well for Jesus. Simon's rebuked for not washing Jesus' feet. 
not greeting him with a kiss, not anointing his head with oil, not showing the love and the care that this sinful woman showed because of her great love for Jesus. Listen, the greatest dilemma for Christians is not deciding between what's good and what's bad. The greatest dilemma, the mark of a growing Christian, the mark of maturity is deciding between what's good and what's best. What's good and what's best. Like, think about it. Like, no follower of Jesus Christ came, woke up this morning here on Father's Day, woke up in turmoil, wrestling inside of you saying, I don't know, should I, should I go to church today or should I go and do a drive-by? I don't know, I'm so, I'm so torn. I don't know which one to do. You didn't wake up wondering, you won't wake up tomorrow morning wondering, should I read my Bible or should I go rob a bank? I just don't know which one would be better for me today. But know the sign of, of a growing Christian, growing in your love for Jesus, a, Jesus, a mature disciple, is knowing what is the best thing. What is the best thing today? And listen, there are a ton of good things that you can And you should do each and every day. There's a lot of good things that the Lord, listen, wants you to do. And wants you to to love doing and to receive the good gifts that he gives and to enjoy them. Like, Like for me, like the ideal Father's Day, it's like drinking a cup of coffee this afternoon while I watch the U.S. Open. Anybody else golf fans? No, I'm alone. Okay. Watching the U.S. Open, my kids fanning me and feeding me peanut butter M&Ms. All right, wait, wait, we're going a little far. That's, that's a little far, unless you want to, unless the Lord leads. But there are a lot of things that we can do, and there are a lot of things that we will do that are not sinful, that are good things. Martha was not sinning in making a meal for Jesus, or cleaning up the table, or washing dishes, Unless she made like asparagus or Brussels sprouts, that would be, that would be maybe the, we, we don't know what the menu was. Listen, it wasn't sinful what she was doing, but it was tragic because of what she was missing. It wasn't sinful because of what she's doing, but it was tragic for what she was missing out on, of what Mary had found. And the same is true for us. There are a lot of good things that we can do, a lot of good things. Like we can eat good meals and we can read good books and listen to good music and we can have good friendships and we can work good jobs and go on good vacations with our good family. But it would be a tragedy if we spent our lives doing good things and we miss the one thing. Let me say that again. It would be a tragedy if you spent your life doing a lot of good things and you missed the one thing. Francis Chan said this, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. 
What a gift it would be this morning for, for the Lord to help us see through the, the many things, the many good things that are vying for our attention, that want our affection, that we might see the one thing. What a grace to help us see the, through the many good possibilities to the one thing necessary, Jesus Christ. You know, there's a lot, if we're not careful, there's a lot of good things that'll distract you from the one thing. Look at verses 39 through 40. And she called, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Again, Martha's doing good, good things. She's serving Jesus, she's serving the God who has come in the flesh. I don't know what your to-do list looks like this week, but there's not many things higher on a to-do list, things that you could do, than caring for Jesus, than, than serving Jesus. It's, it's not like they're sitting here, what did you do last night? I did, if two friends were talking at the marketplace the next day, if Martha ran to her friend, what did you do last night? Well, I played Minecraft for hours and hours and hours. What did you do? Well, I fed the creator of the cosmos. Wow. That's a whole nother level. The problem, the problem is that it wasn't the best thing. She was distracted with much serving. She was distracted with much serving. And what was she being distracted from? Well, she was distracted from sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's so sad, isn't it, that we can be so busy serving Jesus that we can miss Jesus. You can be so busy serving Jesus that you miss Jesus. I mean, if you're not careful, we can come in here this morning and we can sing words about Jesus. And we can leave here today and tell other people about Jesus. And we can plan good ministry and camps for Jesus and go to seminary for Jesus. And we can work at a Christian camp for Jesus and serve in the church and in the nursery for Jesus, even preach about Jesus and miss Jesus and miss being with Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, how many good things are distracting you from the one thing? How many good things are distracting you from the one thing? And, and notice, I'm not even saying how many good things do you do alongside the one thing. I'm saying how many good things are distracting you? Pulling you away from, keeping you from, captivating you other than the one thing that is Jesus. Because again, there's so many good things that the Lord wants you to do. Working really hard at your job. Sports, decorating your home, reading good books, having a great family meal. Homeschooling your kids, meeting a friend with coffee. 
inviting lost friends over for dinner, even serving Jesus. But listen, when a good thing distracts you from the one thing, it becomes a bad thing. We have to be careful. Any good thing, the the best show, your, your spouse, your kids, even doing ministry, serving Jesus, any good thing that distracts you from the one thing, and it becomes a bad thing. Let me just confession time here from a father on Father's Day, a pastor on Father's Day. I've been known to equate busyness with godliness. To equate busyness with godliness. And I'm probably not the only person here. I can't tell you how many times that somebody would come up to me. Maybe I run into somebody with somebody at the coffee shop or at Target with my wife. And they say, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? And without skipping a beat, my answer has been, man, I'm busy. Man, I'm busy. And I've said it like more like a badge of honor, more like a sign of godliness instead of a confession of sin, which for me it should have been. Brothers and sisters, busyness does not equal godliness. Busyness is not one of the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5. It's not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, busyness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not busyness. It's faithfulness. Because if busyness was a sign of godliness, then Jesus would have been the busiest person of all time. But he wasn't busy. He was intentional. He was purposeful. He was faithful in everything. But he wasn't busy. Jesus fulfilled perfect righteousness. He always did what was pleasing to the Father. But he wasn't frantically busy. Jesus would get alone in desolate places to, to hear the heart of his Father. Listen, busyness in my life is typically a sign of busyness in my heart. And my guess is busyness in your life is typically a sign of busyness in your heart. One pastor and author, Eugene Peterson, said this, Busyness is an illness of the Spirit. Busyness is an illness of the Spirit. The Spirit. Notice what Jesus says, though, in our passage. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You're anxious and troubled about many things. What looks like busyness on the surface to everybody else is diagnosed as anxiety and trouble in the heart by Jesus. Do you see that? What? What looks like busyness on the surface is diagnosed as anxiety and and is trouble in the heart by Jesus. See, see, some people treat anxiety in the heart by doing nothing. Like maybe when you face anxiety, you just do nothing. It paralyzes you. You don't want to do anything. And, And some people will medicate it 
with nothing. But for some people, people like me, like Martha, we try to treat anxiety by doing with everything. We try to treat anxiety with busyness. And we say in our hearts, maybe I'll just do more. Maybe I'll just try harder. Maybe I'll get up earlier or meet more people or, or read more good books, and, and that'll fix it. Listen, busyness is not only a distraction from the one thing. It's a disruption to your heart. It's a disruption to your heart. And there's probably a lot of people in here that right now want to push against everything I'm saying. And you want to keep being busy and you want to keep being restless and you don't want to slow down at all. But Charles Spurgeon said that many of us don't want to slow down because we're scared of what we're going to find when we get there. When you equate busyness with godliness, if you're not careful, you can start Resting in your busyness is righteousness. And so the busier that I am, the more righteous that I think I am, and the more assurance, the more loved that I feel. But when I'm less busy, when I I feel less righteous, then I feel less accepted. I feel less loved, I feel less joy. And if you're not careful when your assurance is found in what you're doing instead of what Christ has done. If you're not careful, your assurance can be found not in what Christ has done, but in what you're doing. Busyness is so disruptive. To your own heart. But look, busyness is not only disruptive to your heart, busyness disrupts your community. Look at what happens to Martha when her heart gets busy, when, when her worth is found in her doing. Look at verse 40. Lord, this is what she says to Jesus. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Tell her to get up. When we believe busyness is a mark of godliness, we start comparing ourselves to others. We'll start competing with others in the church just like Martha starts doing with Mary. Our heart will start saying things like, well, she's not as busy as I am. He doesn't read as much as I do. He doesn't serve as much as I do. No one cares as much as our family But notice this. Notice right after she asks, Jesus, do you not care? Do you not care that I'm here alone without skipping a beat? She assumes that Jesus agrees with her. And she blurts out, tell her to help me. Tell her to get up. But listen, Jesus, Jesus doesn't agree with you. Jesus is not commending your busyness. Jesus is not applauding your distractions, no matter how good that you think they are. Because if it takes away from the one thing, remember, it's become a bad thing. 
If it takes away from the one thing, it has now become a bad thing. Well, the good news, brothers and sisters, this morning is for every single person in here this morning is that Jesus wants to give you the one thing. Jesus wants to give you himself. Like in contrast to the anxious, troubled, compulsive, busy Martha who's hustling and bustling around the house, look, the camera now stops and it pans over to Mary. It shows us Mary who who looks like she's doing nothing, but she's found everything. Who looks like she's doing nothing, but she's found everything. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. There's only one thing that's necessary. It's one thing that can never be taken away from you. This one thing that's necessary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha, while you've been distracted with much serving, Mary has been captivated by me. While you're in the kitchen having a nice meal, Mary has found the good portion. She has found the good meal. She is feasting on me. She is feasting on me and my love. Mary's chosen the living water that never runs dry. The bread of life that always satisfies. And that's me. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, Martha, Mary has found her one thing. Now you need to go find yours. Because if we're not careful, we can be sucked into this American, self-centered, expressive individualism. And we can read a a passage like this and say, well, Martha, she doesn't know her one thing. Mary's found her one thing. I wonder what my one thing is. We can be centered on ourselves and think, well, what's my purpose? What was I created for? For what are my dreams? What what was what am, what's my life supposed to be about? But let me be crystal clear. Mary's one thing is Martha's one thing, and it's your one thing. Your one thing is sitting at the feet of Jesus, sitting at the feet of the one and only. Savior, listening to the heart of Jesus, treasuring Jesus above all. This is actually the purpose of all creation. It's going to be the theme in heaven. It's the song that's going to be played over and over and over. That worthy is the lamb who is slain. We're going to be treasuring Jesus above everything else. Treasuring Jesus as the only son who was sent down from heaven. The only one who was God in the flesh. The only one who lived a perfectly righteous life that we could never live. The only one who's died in your place on the cross. 
The only one who three days later rose up from the grave. The only name under heaven by which man must be saved. The only one who's worthy of your worship. The only one who's worthy to be your one thing is Jesus. We come to Jesus, and we don't come with all our best works. We don't come with our busyness from the kitchen. We don't come with our busyness from ministry and our busyness from work and anything that we can accomplish to lay down his feet to call it our righteousness. No, we come to Jesus, and we don't come bringing anything, but we receive everything from Christ. Maybe the way you'll do this this week is by Opening up the Bible and hearing God speak to you through his word. Maybe for you, you just rehearse the gospel. That you preach to your own heart this good news of who this treasured son, this name that is above every name is to your heart. Maybe you spend time praying to God where he, the God in heaven, The Father in heaven is listening to you as Jesus the Son is interceding for you. Maybe you just give thanks for all the things that God has given to you. What is it that draws you close to Jesus? What is it that draws you close to Jesus? In this passage, it doesn't even tell us what Jesus said. Like, it doesn't even tell us what Jesus was teaching Mary that at her feet. And it really doesn't matter what he was teaching. If he was doing nothing and she was just beholding him, it would be more than enough. The other day I texted my good friend and fellow pastor Joe Starks. And this is what I wrote him. I think it was, I was definitely, I was driving to vacation Definitely one of those 40-year-old moments, and I just said, what do I want to accomplish in my life? Question mark. If I could accomplish anything, the answer is to see people come to Christ and make disciples, period. There is nothing else. But as I was reading this week, I think it became crystal clear that the one thing is not to make disciples. The one thing is to know Jesus. The one thing is to abide in Jesus. To sit at the feet of Jesus where where you hear his heart and where you begin to love what he loves. Because my guess is the reason you don't live on mission is not because you don't know what the mission of Jesus is. It's because you don't know what the heart of Jesus is. You don't know the heart of Jesus. You don't sit at his feet because sitting at his feet, sitting at the feet of Jesus long enough will eventually have you sitting with the lost and eventually have you sitting among the nations. But until you hear his heart, until you know what he loves and start loving what he loves, you'll never love your neighbor. You'll never love your wife. You'll never love your kids like Jesus wants you to love. You know, the central verse of my life, especially over the last year, Psalm 90, 14. 
satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. I must, I must, I must start each day at the feet of Jesus. So I don't go into the world looking for satisfaction from a world that cannot satisfy. But I begin the day satisfied in Christ. Today's Father's Day. I pray that your heart, fathers, this morning, that your heart gets this. That your one thing is, is not earning a lot of money. It's not running a marathon. It's not helping your son make all-stars. It's not building up a business. It's not even being a great father or a husband. And these are good things, but the one thing is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is the only place in the world where everything else falls into place. The only place where a sinful heart can be forgiven, where an anxious heart finds rest, where a longing heart is forever satisfied. And the good news this morning is that Jesus wants to give you that one thing. He wants to woo you to himself. When he says, Martha, Martha, He's not scolding her for her busyness. He's not frustrated with her because of what's been happening in the kitchen. No, when he says, Martha, Martha, he is speaking tenderly to her. He's saying the one thing that Mary has found is the one thing that you're missing. And it's the one thing that you can have today. So would you just put down the pots would you just put down the dishes? Brothers and sisters, would you just put down the phone? Would you just put down the remote for a second? Would you just step away from your work for a moment? And would you just come and sit at the feet of Jesus? Because your busy heart, when it comes to the feet of Jesus, you know what happens there? Your heart says, hallelujah, I have found him. The one my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longing. And through his blood, I now am saved. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we ask, Lord, words from, from men can only do so much. But we pray, Lord, that your spirit would satisfy us in this moment with the one thing. The one thing that is Jesus. The only Savior who lived for us, died for us, and rose again. The one Savior who lives to forever intercede for us right now in this moment. The only Savior who's worthy. The only King who's worthy of all our hearts who's worthy to captivate all our attention, who's worthy to have all our affection, that is Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us. You would help us as fathers, as, as mothers, as husbands, as wives, as, 
as children. Lord, that you would help every single person here today, that you would draw them to the feet of Jesus, that they might be satisfied like only he can satisfy. For Lord, he is the living water who will never run dry. He is the bread of life that will always satisfy, that will never leave us hungry. Lord, He is the good portion that can never be taken away from His people. And so, Lord, I pray that by the power of Your Spirit that You would bind every heart, recenter every heart, that we might be captivated and captured by Jesus, that he might be the one thing in our lives that we say, this is necessary. I can miss a lot of other things, but I can't miss Jesus. Lord, would you help us by the power of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.